welcome to Upbringing, where Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers us all to engage bravely with the hardest aspects of parenting, to create positive change in ourselves, our families, and the world. Join us to build intention, elevate skills, and align our parenting practices with our greatest ideals. When we practice trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection, we're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. This episode is supported by SW Basics, a skincare line that values organic, fair trade ingredients, five or less per product. That's a pretty rare thing to find in our beauty products these days. I love that for sure. Oils, masks, balms, salves, toners, cleansers, you name it, they've got the essentialist version of it. SW Basics founder Adina has said, we encourage our audience to aspire to get control of their routines and then stop giving a shit. I'm in. Me too. So visit swbasics.com to poke around and see all the lovely products they have to offer and enter code UPBRINGING for 15% off. Now onto our conversation. Alila Diane is a singer, songwriter, and kindred spirit. When she's not performing her way through music halls across the US and Europe, Alila's based in Portland, Oregon with her husband and two young daughters. Her most recent album, Cusp, moved us to tears. It speaks to the beautiful and complicated nature of being a mother and a daughter. We loved connecting with Alila about the importance of creating time away from daily life as a parent, how we're surviving our spirited kids, the journey to redefine productivity since parenthood, and how we can better embrace and celebrate the changes in our minds, bodies, and spirits as we grow up. Here we go. You were saying this morning, Kel, like just getting out of our house and having one hour to talk to somebody that we care about. We're it's like <laughs> scheduling social time in it's these interviews. Perfect. Yeah. Like we're so antisocial and have just a lot going on. And then the rest of the time we're with the kids. So it's just like, it feels relate. really magical. I yeah. think it must be more normal for like regular nine to fivers who like go spend all day with adults. They have but a water right. cooler. But I feel like the yes. nature of like being a part-time stay-at-home mom and part-time like work from home, doing your own thing mom the last several years, maybe you identify with that too. It's harder to just like feel like a normal person and be away. Yes, it definitely is. For me, like being able to go on tour gives me adult time that I really cherish now (laughs) I can't even imagine I go to the grocery store and I'm like oh my god the power and I also feel so weird like who am I I'm by myself right now what does this mean I can't imagine how you must feel when you're on tour and it's not the grocery store it's Europe Uh which is like (laughs) so beautiful and amazing I think over the course of you know I leave for about three weeks at a time but in those three weeks I'm like oh yeah I am myself I'm my own person, and I remember what it's like to be my own person again in those couple of weeks away. You like reclaim, yeah, recenter. Remember what it's like to just be me, and it's really awesome. Is it hard, kind of clearing out the impulses of, you know, like just feeling like you forgot something, or like what's or what's coming next? What? How do I stay ahead of the the flow with kids? You know. Well, when I get home, I'm always a little bit like, oh, yeah, this. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to get back into just being a mom and the giving, giving, giving all day long and not having any space for myself when on tour. 
I can just sit quietly. Even if I'm just sitting in a van. Paint all us a day. picture. Paint us a picture yeah. of something like just alone that you do. Just I think so we can live by gonna be a gift yes. to everybody. I very much enjoy hotel breakfast on tour. Mm-hmm. Just being in some even if it's just terrible, like whatever, trashy breakfast, just having a cup of tea and eating a weird croissant that's not very good um by myself in the hotel lobby. I quite enjoy that. And being able to do that every day for three weeks. I like make sure I wake up in time before the breakfast uh-huh. ends. Oh my gosh, amazing. <laughs> it's great. Amazing. And I can just sit there and I don't know, just think or just enjoy the quietness of a morning because at home mm. you're thrown into it upon rising. Like my kids come right to the edge of my bed. And Vera just starts making demands immediately. That's how my get out of bed, get up. I'm hungry. And then Una from her crib starts yelling, "Yogi, Yogi!" Because she wants to eat yogurt right away. And yeah, there's no time to even wake up. You're just like, oh, it's it's a rude awakening every single day. In a sweet way. Well, but no, but like, what's rude about no. it, too, is you know what to anticipate, but you also have no idea. Because some yeah. days are way harder and some, some are way Some mornings easier. are just You don't even horrible. know what you're walking into. It's mm-hmm. horrible from the, the unpredictability of it. And then other mornings, you're like, wow, this actually went okay. Mm-hmm. No one was screaming all morning long. And mm-hmm. we made breakfast, and no one complained that I made eggs instead of oatmeal. Mm-hmm. And it was okay, but you just never know. And I think yeah. that's one of the hardest things about parenthood is the unpredictability of it yeah. and the unexpected chaos. Like mm-hmm. you just don't know what kind of a day it's going to be ever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, like the the mundane over and over, the repetition of it, meeting the crazy unpredictability. Yeah. You could yeah. be doing exactly the same things in a day, but some days those it'll feel fine and everybody's getting along and it feels you feel accomplished. Like, oh, I'm really doing an okay job mm-hmm. at this mom thing today. And then mm-hmm. other days it just feels like an utter failure and you do all the same things and you feed them the same snacks and it's mm-hmm. just horrible. Yeah. How do yeah. we like search for validation? doing those repetitive things where we don't get a paycheck, a pat on the back, um, a progress report, right. a thank you, a even. raise, a raise, a thank yeah, you. Yeah, there's anything, no raise. You know, I mean, I think for me, the reward are the good days. And when I can settle into a moment where I'm genuinely having a nice time with my children, like I love it when those moments happen. And you would think and hope that they could happen more often than they actually do. But most of the time it's kind of a grind and it's pretty mm-hmm. hard. Yeah. Um, but I, I try to pay a lot of attention to the moments that are going well. And like, you know, even if it's just like sitting with the girls while they're in the bath at night and like things are okay and they're sharing the mermaid doll or whatever, mm-hmm. like, and I just, tr- and just trying to enjoy them. And Vera's been singing all the time and, mm-hmm. and like bringing these adorable songs home from school and sharing them with me. And I have been just loving watching her little spirit unfold. And like, I think that's the paycheck. That's the mm-hmm. reward for me mm-hmm. is the good times. Totally. Yeah. And it's so easy to 
not rush through those like uh, something like a bath or the morning hustle it's so easy to be like it's a means to an end it's to get us to this next thing to this next thing but it's like for them that is just the only experience they're having that is that is reality yeah and that's where all the magic is that i feel like i tend to just I, sometimes I miss it. And, and I think that's where a, a lot of our tension ends up coming from is us having this agenda of those clear cut things through. like to get through the bath so we can get the PJs on, to get the PJs on so we can get the book yeah. read, to get the book read so they can get in fucking bed because we need to go do something else. Exactly. Or, like be alone or whatever. Yeah. And, and like those moments when you can ease into it, like moments that are a lot easier or everyone's getting along are a good reminder of like, mm-hmm oh, it, this is actually their reality and should be our reality all the time is just the present. It's you just know? the present. But yeah. it, it's, a ch- it's such a challenge, I mean, in life, in general, parenthood or not, to be in the present moment and to be there with yourself and there with the people around you. Mm-hmm. And in this day and age, especially with all the distractions available and looking at your phone and, you know, that's something that I'm always trying to work on mm-hmm. just to do better at to yeah. not be checked out of the present moment, like Divided. looking at Instagram or something yeah. and dividing my attention. But it's so hard. So hard. And I, I feel like with early early motherhood for me, I had to check out and get on Instagram or have go, an escape. Or have an escape. So totally. That, because my brain was just, and body was so holy in this parenting thing that I was like, I have to see somebody else's face. I have to hear about something terrible going on yeah. or something inspiring happening it that's not in this house. It makes you feel alive <laughs> yes. that's not in this house. Yeah, yeah. just something else. It's pretty boring um, in the house. Yeah. Or it feels that way. Or it just becomes like just stifling in its like intensity and, pre- yeah. and predictability, unpredictable predictability. Exactly. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, Kelty and I were talking about how we've been to your beautiful home before <laughs> and seen your guitar and your piano which as a musician a singer songwriter like we that's like your workplace or your office and that's in the middle of your home yeah it's such personal work but in not a private like area that's so true yeah and how have you been kind of other than scheming for your new yes. office then <laughs> right how has that been super difficult to make work um to write songs and to have this space um, before I had Una, when Vera was at school, I would use that time and then I had a nanny and that would help. But the hard thing now is that Vera's in school, but Una is at home all the time. And I do have a nanny that comes three afternoons a week. And that's theoretically my time to like work on music, but I'm in the house with mm-hmm. them and I hear mm-hmm. Una and she hears me mm-hmm. and for a while I was hiding up in the guest room and like I kind of made a little creative space up there. But that room is right next to where Una naps and I would be singing and I kept waking her up and it was horrible. So I'm building um, a backyard studio right now out of our single car garage and it's 140 square feet and it's tiny. amazing. But it has four walls that are separate from my house and I... I'm really excited about that, and I think it's going to be kind of a game changer as far as my ability to create again. Mm-hmm. Well, and yeah. that, that's a space issue. Yeah, but it gives you the opportunity and space. Yeah. But what about just the, the like, timing. Uh, yeah, inspiration, yeah. and you have three afternoons. But what if you're not, <sighs> well, you know, in it or feeling it? Or I feel like I feel like my experience since I become a mom is I have I can just feel 
my creativity kind of waiting for me. It's like mm. waiting in the wings of myself. <laughs> and given the opportunity and given the space, I'm pretty good at kind of jumping to it. And and at least when I'm feeling that inside of me, which I can really feel it right now, yet my studio's not done. And there's sort of a weird peaceful place I get into when I know I have a bunch of songs to write and a bunch of things I want to say and no space to do it. Mm-hmm. I just try to kind of accept it and know that like right now, for example, when my studio is done, I'm just going to go work when I have time and when I have the babysitter come three afternoons a week. I'm going to be out there and music will be coming out of me. So you can stay calm right now. Yes, knowing. because I know that it's yeah. in there. It's the, it's sort of like a, yeah. I don't know, it's a weird feeling, but I just know when I have songs to write that I, I haven't that. written yet. Mm. It's exciting mm-hmm. and a little frustrating. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but it, I think it's it speaks to the skill that we all develop as mothers as well, where it's like we have friends sometimes who are like, a beautiful Saturday and I just don't know what to do though or where I'm gonna what, what should I do and I'm like if I had a Saturday you better believe uh, I'd be like at the coffee shop get a magazine go do this yes like, because right. you know read like I right. mean, there's a million plenty things that work, but it's yeah. just like when you have that you know you will figure it out and it's in there and you're yeah. gonna do it in that same and way sometimes like I've had moments of actually having the time and space like the girls are staying at, at their grandparents house or something And I've totally had a few days that are just utterly wasted or I'm just so exhausted. And Mm -hmm. sometimes you have to give yourself that of like to come down. Yeah, to come down from it all. And, you know, you it's super annoying when that happens because I really have a lot that I want to do. But sometimes all you all you can do is like take a nap. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like redefining productivity. Yeah, exactly. And that's part of the process, too, is Mm -hmm. the rest and is like taking time out. And also for me, like in order to be creative, I feel like every other aspect of my life generally needs to be sort of under control. Mm -hmm. Like I right now, because I have all these songs I haven't written yet that I want to write, I keep like organizing mm. closets and stuff. <laughs> this is like, this is our problem. Yeah, we're like I can't once do it. Once yeah. this house is clean, once all the laundry's done, totally. once I went through my closet or and all these things, then we'll write. While we're like, or but while we were waiting for upbringing, for us to have when all the kids were in school a few days a week, we couldn't work. So we all yeah. we could do was organize yeah. and be like, this rug is not working. We need to like we need to get a new rug. goodwill yeah. and figure something else out and like we were obsessive about our yeah. space because that's all we had. We couldn't do more than just work with the, the physical space that we had exactly. around us. Because we couldn't put what was in our minds out. We couldn't engage with any of that. And we could just talk to each other. Yeah. At least you have Which, each other. You know, what a gift. Oh my God, yeah. We're so grateful. <laughs> Not everybody yeah. has a twin that lives across a field from them. I remember being eight and realizing that. <laughs> you like, it was the first time I... It's, eight seems pretty old to first realize that you're a twin and not everyone else is. Yeah. But that's when I remember it hitting me in the classroom and just standing there in the classroom, maybe just like looking at other people walking yeah. around. Mm-hmm like without someone like hooked on their arm. Like I remember you realizing it because someone who I had just met was like, who's we? And I was like, oh, I guess I'm saying we for most things. And <laughs> she doesn't know Kelsey. <laughs> like, right. cause we were in separate classes yeah. and like I was a we, we were yeah. all split up. Yeah. Yeah, you guys really are interesting. We. We're a we, but this podcast is a we. It That's is. what we're trying to do with these conversations is to just have these listening partnerships with other people who, yeah can you know inspire us and 
just connect to something in us because you know, we've yeah. all got that yeah, going on. For sure. But I feel like it takes a lot of trust and a lot of self-awareness to understand when you need to be productive and when you need to just care for yourself. Yeah. Um, something you, Kelsey, are really good at teaching me to do right now is to go for walks on our work days because I'm more of a taskmaster. Like I will, I would, if it were up to me, I would get to, we work at a community center uh, by our kids' school so that we don't have to drive back and forth. Yeah. And so, well, I would just like sit there and start working and work until we, the minute we have to pick them up, and Kelty's like, hand no. We start like, with a walk. We might walk in the middle and we end with a walk. Like period. for our mental health, like that will make us perform better. We will think better. We will feel better. That's so amazing. And it's hard. It, like, it's, I, need I know to do it's that. good for me, but it's really hard. But I feel like it has helped us so much mm-hmm. creatively yeah. to that's, just. That's yeah. a, a good thing to be reminded of because I am more like you, Hannah, where yeah. I will just sort of accidentally get to it and then I'll be like I haven't left like there are so many days where I haven't left the house Mm -hmm. just in my house and when I do as soon as I leave to be I've been there I mean it's a nice place to be (laughs) but my head becomes so much more clear and I Mm -hmm. feel so much more present in my body and in my spirit when I go get some fresh air yeah yeah I think it's both the things it's the fresh air and being outside and it's a movement Definitely. You know, both. I think Definitely. it'll be nice even just walking through your backyard to your new office will all 10 feet, yeah, 10 feet of my walk. You, you talk about um, it's true, it though. Yeah. It? Yeah. Just walking meditation. Yeah. Just thinking of it as as a meditative like practice. Steps really slowly could probably have a really you could big put effect. a little track true. or imagine there's a track around your backyard and just do just like 10 little loops before you walk so in every loops. time mm-hmm. like Very take small. a turn it's so Jane Austen uh-huh. yes mm-hmm. even some sometimes when everything is going terribly with the kids I just take them outside and we walk around the block mm-hmm. it takes like 10 minutes it's a kind of slow do you walk end up carrying the them all the way home like um <laughs> occasionally yeah. yeah yeah but it's it's still manageable I can't I can't carry both of them, but I could carry Una around mm-hmm. the block. But it kind of often re- do to it's just sort of a everybody. reset. Yeah, yeah, and it helps. And then they notice like little pieces of moss growing or mm-hmm. pretty flowers, and it it just helps a lot. Totally. Maybe I should just walk around the block. You'd be like, I'll be back in a little. I'll bit. be back. I'm walking around the block. <laughs> block walk. Yeah, <laughs> real it's quick. Just like five minutes, they'd be yeah. fine. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's been so fun looking forward to this conversation because we've we've been um, your most recent album has been out of rotation for a couple months. I feel like we listened to it a lot this summer mm-hmm. and um, coming back to it has just been lovely. Um, I feel like every time a lot of my favorite music I listen to to feel the same way I felt every time I listened to it, like a memory, right? Kind of, and yeah, to like tap into that, that that time. But for me, when I listen to cusp i feel something new every time if that makes sense it's just one of those things because i think motherhood is has been changing every day it's different i'm feeling new things i'm a new person and so So i somehow tap into something new through the same songs every time yeah so i just i realized that this week when i was listening to it more i like that (laughs) and when we need a good cry it's like perfect i love that's one of the things that i've come to appreciate the most about being a musician and performing is after every show that I play afterwards when I'm talking to audience members a handful of people come up to me and say you I cried tonight the second song made me cry the last Mm -hmm. song made me cry Mm -hmm. 
And oftentimes it's grown men. Mm -hmm. And I feel like in our society, being a facilitator of emotion and helping people to tap into that is I, I just feel it's it's an honor to be able to do that it's for like the people. Gift. Yeah, it's like a super. Are you ever curious, like what about it? Like I I'm the kind of person that's like, why did you cry? Why, why did, did you, you cry? Get mad? Like that's that's the type of person I am. Yeah, but what is it exactly just that it happened and they were moved that you're like, okay? I just I guess I never wonder exactly what it was. I mean, my my albums tend to be they're they're it's very narrative very personal narrative and each one is like a little chapter of my life and navigating different experiences and the most recent album is me navigating my experience of motherhood thus far and I think that this record has touched people in certain ways with relationships to their children or their own parents and I think there's a lot of feels in that subject the record before was a record I made when I had gone through a divorce. And there's also people, um, you know, will come up to me after shows I'm, and say that they were just going through a really difficult break breakup and that they've been listening to that record and it's been really yeah. helpful. And when I, don't I know. mean, heartbreak and and breakup records, I mean, that's that they're so common. And yes. something I mentioned to Kel is like, Usually I have to, I take a a song or a record and I have to kind of translate it into what I'm going through personally. Right. But the amazing thing about Cusp is that I don't have to do that translation in the same way because it's about the the experience, (laughs) which makes me wonder why are there not albums out there? Why aren't people making music about this experience that is so fucking profound Right. and that hits everybody so intensely for like their entire lives? How is it? How's that not a thing? Like you, you did a thing. I'm sure there have been albums like that. I can't really think of any specifically, but I think largely it's because there's so much pressure put on women to go on as if nothing happened when you become a mother Mm -hmm. and to, especially as a performer where there's pressure to look a certain way and to present yourself as you did before you had children and not be perceived as older or, you know, worn out. Altered in any way. Altered in any way. And so I think oftentimes it's just sort of swept under the rug. And if if artists are writing about it, they're not being outward Mm -hmm. about that fact. And I don't know. I mean, I think in, in the folk tradition... Like or country or like Johnny Cash, like he's saying about family, like yeah. or the Carter family, they mm-hmm. did. But <clears throat> at this point, like all of that is a ways in the past, and yeah. in the modern climate of music and the industry, it seems less common. And I also think there's this sort of like attitude towards motherhood or towards women as they're getting older that they're kind of used up or outdated mm-hmm. or there's a fresher face or someone younger that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is coming along and replacing their voice and that really makes me angry and I don't think yeah. that's how it should be that's like the part of the industry which I know so little about yeah. that I imagine of you know just these the larger agency yeah. you know run 
men yeah. being like, oh, young this, young that. Totally. But I also think, I mean, they're, what I value about music is like artists' longevity and the story yeah. that they tell over time. Over and like, the years. And yeah. they're changing. And that, they're, that is something that's there. Yeah. And that, that's something that I really value. But it's, you know. It is, but I think it's often not explored as much it's mm-hmm. like if you really love an artist and you follow them they they do continue making music yeah. usually but the attention and the press is always given mm-hmm. to the first breakout whatever yeah the breakout yeah. the the freshest newest thing and i think there needs to be more space for more mature voices because oftentimes like there's such a a wonderful beautiful thing about someone who's saying their first thing that they're saying Mm -hmm. and who's coming out of youth and speaking of that time of life that's a really you know unique um beautiful time and there's Mm -hmm. so many albums made by people in their early 20s that are amazing Mm -hmm. like older like Joni Mitchell's first records you know like that is a is such a great thing but there's also, I think there needs to be room for more of a mature lens. Like, mm-hmm. and as I get older and my audience presumably gets older with me, like, I don't think we should be putting all of that weight on who you are and what you know when you're 21. Yeah. I think that we we learn a lot and I think that there's so much value and so much potential in what older people have to that say. That depth of... Yeah, yeah. That depth of experience. Mm-hmm. You have to it's hope like, that there's like a, an appreciation of less of being a creative and a, and a amazing in your own right despite being a mom. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was the mm-hmm. old perspective. Yeah. Instead of like, I, I am that and I'm a mom or because of being a yeah. mom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Moving into that. Yeah. And I think in my career also, like I've there's been a lot of my first record got a lot of attention specifically in Europe and people really hold on to that and they that's their favorite record and that's okay but to be able to you know have the freedom to not be that person anymore who Develop. I was when I was 21 yeah. and to grow past that and have other things to say like that's what I'm interested in doing yeah it's not like you work in finance and then no. you become a parent and you're like, now I want to do finance and parenting or now I want to do something totally <laughs> yeah. different. Like, it's like what you do, you're an artist, you yeah. know, and how can you, your life and who you are becoming not affect what you're making? Exactly. It, just, it seems so, it's so inherent. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's so interesting that that, that that's even coming into conflict in any yeah. way or it feels Definitely. questionable. Or, right. It's really yeah. interesting. Or that I... You know, when I released this last record, there were some questions like, ah, should we talk about the motherhood angle? Like, you know, the press team and everybody's like, I don't know if that's a good idea. Interesting. But for me, it was so blatantly what the record was that that's what felt honest to me. And that's that's why I chose to do that. But I could have just said something else if I had wanted to. Kind of downplayed it a little more. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not like you were like holding your babies, you know, on the cover. It wasn't. You weren't trying to market it as that. It just was yeah, that. It just was That's that. Just what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um. We we read an interview of yours. I'm trying to remember where where you were talking about um your mother and how you didn't quite 
understand the love that she had for you and the fact that it was probably more than you would ever have for her mm-hmm. in some way until you became a mother and then you realized, oh my God, like yeah, I get this. It's different. I'd never thought of that before. It just, it touched me so much. Like yeah. the truth of that. There's there's a song on my, my record called Never Easy and that the second verse talks about that where it was really the moment when they laid my older daughter Vera on my chest after I had given birth to her and I looked at her and I felt my heart open and explode in a way that I had never known that that capacity of love existed and my mom was there in the room too and I in that moment just really felt how she feels about me Mm -hmm. and how she must have and still looks at me because I'm her daughter and you know I I don't think it's mutual I think that parents love their children in a kind of desperate way really like we are their protectors and we want to keep them safe and yeah it it is it's different at least yeah. when it's working properly or the way it should be. <laughs> yeah. That's that's yeah. how it should be, right. you know. That's the, the healthy kind of natural way yeah. to, to think of it. But uh, we both um, didn't really realize why our birthday mattered that much to our parents <laughs> <laughs> until we had yeah. our daughters. It's and then all of a deal. sudden their first birthday, we were like, just hot messes like oh my god this was the day they were born and what we went through birthdays are more about the parents in some ways i think they subtly changes over time and becomes about the yeah yeah but we whenever when we started realizing that i think like our birthday Mm -hmm. we just talk to our parents and thank our parents and we give them them. a card on our birthday now we do being like thank you for having us and raising us and giving us love like it just makes sense to give your parents a card on your birthday yeah (laughs) i don't know it makes sense to us now i mean they they put in the work and brought you and just they feel the meaning of that time in a way that we don't don't feel the meaning of my own like inception (laughs) like the way that they do yeah Yeah. that is so true that is so true Um, in Never Easy, you talk about that and then also just about the difficult relationship between a mother and a daughter, a, a daughter you know. Yeah, I think my mom and I, at this point, we get along really well. Um, but from the time that I was a little girl, my mom and I, we always just have a different point of view. And mm-hmm. it's always been difficult to kind of see eye to eye. You know, if if I say that I like this color, she'll say that I, that she doesn't and that she likes the other color. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always things like that where we just see things differently. And I think we're both working, continuously working on coming to a more accepting place and just, you know, I can sort of be amused and laugh at the ways in which we just see the world differently. Yeah. And I think it's really about just trying to accept each other for who we are rather than change each other's minds or argue unnecessarily about mm-hmm. something that really doesn't matter. Has being a mom kind of helped you come to that too? Because t- that sounds, I think it does. My daughter. I'm like, yeah. I love this. And she's like, I hate that. And I can exactly. tell that she's saying it just to yeah. be contrary. And I'm, I'm like, well, exactly. you have a different well, opinent than I, I do. But I think from an, er- an early age, I think it's a comp- 
a conflict of interest in some ways because they come from you. They are of you in some way. And they also are just so attached and they, they are really, you guys are one at a, mm-hmm. from a certain point on. And then like differentiation happens and you spread your wings and start becoming different. And, and I think uncomfortable. sometimes that can be really uncomfortable for the kid. And then yeah. they, you know, are asserting themselves. And other times that can be so uncomfortable for the parent to be like, I like this and you don't, this is like, disturbing to me how right. is this possible how is this possible yeah even if it's just like a food mm-hmm. it can be totally. anything, or anything it can be anything yeah. yeah but yeah my my older daughter and I I feel like while never easy was about my mom and I it's also about Vera and I yeah. and you know we've had we're similar in certain ways but we're different and we disagree about things and seeing her assert herself and define herself as an individual you know is an interesting experience it's like inspiring and, but also soul crushing at yeah the same time. like they are their own people and they're just going to continue becoming that and mm-hmm. we're just gonna have to stand witness and yeah. try to guide them in positive directions but ultimately like we don't really have control over who our children become or what they believe Mm-hmm. Or even who they are right now. Or who like, they are right uh, now. I yeah. Know. It's so crazy. Even at like two, three, four, how we talk about that a lot. Yeah. How much control how, do we have yeah. truly over? And how truly themselves they have yes, been since the beginning. Exactly. They're that person already. I, mm-hmm. with, with the girls, I just, it takes a lot of kind of surrender, but I, I just try to support them in, in being who they are. And it's, you know... When I buy clothing for Vera, I do not buy her what I would like her to wear. I choose the things that I think she would like. Wow. And oftentimes... That's, that's huge. Yeah. yeah. Oftentimes it's stuff that I think is just horrendous. <laughs> but when she puts it on and it makes her smile, it's adorable. And yeah. it's so sweet. And I love it. And that's why I get her the fluorescent thing with the cats or yeah. the mm-hmm. shirt with the ugly guy on it that I just... Whatever. Yeah, because you're following. It her brings lead her with joy. Yeah. It brings her joy, and if I buy her like plain colored linen things, <laughs> she just won't wear them. But it's yeah. it's so They'll easy to like impose our taste. It is or, or impose anything because we're worried that they're gonna like not just that it go, kind of goes against our aesthetic or whatever, right. but also like is will she be cultivating bad taste by wearing right. this fluorescent <laughs> kitty thing? Am I encouraging like, them? No. Yeah, yeah. But but it's tough. It's like we. What, what do we have control over and what don't we? And the sooner we're giving our kids control over certain things or the ability to speak for themselves about certain things. Or weigh in. The better in some ways. But yeah. which ones are those? You know, I yeah. think for clothing, it's interesting because it's her body. It's her so, body. So yeah. that it should be, she should be representing herself in a way that's authentic to herself. To her. You know? Yeah. Or she should be eating the foods that she wants to eat. Yes. You provide the stuff. Yeah. But you know, you know. And you like, provide like, good guidelines and you right. don't let your kid just eat sugar and cookies all day because right. it won't make them feel good. Right. But she gets to choose of what you provide. Yes. Just like of the clothing you provide, she will choose the kitty pink, whatever. And yes. that's okay. Like exactly. she's cultivating that taste and differentiating so healthily. Like that's. 
that's amazing that you yeah. do that. Yeah. <laughs> Does she also like wear that one thing like every day because there are only a few of them? Yeah, my like daughter. her Ariel tank top yeah. over long sleeve shirts in the winter, mm-hmm. like all the time. Yeah. Terrible. My, my daughter has a pair of like um, neon crushed velvet leggings that are way too small and like half of her butt is like hanging out and of she it. Still and she still She wears them. them like every single day yeah. of the week and we have to like wash them for the next day. But I remember feeling so that, funny. and I think that the amazing thing, hopefully I would be able to tune into this with, if we'd had sons first, but right. because we had daughters, I think it's just, it has let me click into the feelings that they have. And like, I remember having those jelly sandals and like sticking my feet in and like mom had not bought those for us because mm-hmm. our, our mom Usually was like, the grandparents you will wear buy. the linen, you will mm-hmm. have those things. Um, but like, yeah, the grandparents or somebody got it. But like just feeling so beautiful and so excited and like <laughs> and mom let us have those, you mm-hmm. know. And so I just I think about that yes. um, in my moments of how yeah, much we love the tackiest yeah. stuff. Yeah, and I did too. That's okay. You oh, know? it absolutely yeah. is. Like we, we were discovering who we were and moving through that. It's yeah. like all a process. It totally is. Yeah. I I think it's fun to just observe what they're interested in and you know Vera is way into all the girly stuff and the dolls and all of it and I'm like did I create this and I don't I don't really think that's the case it's just the direction that she's been into and I've supported her in that and our younger daughter I mean she's almost two but already she's like loves watching the tractors and trucks and Mm -hmm. things when we walk by and so for Christmas this year, we like got her a little tractor that she can push mm-hmm. around. And I think she's going to be, and she plays with the train set that we got for Vera, which Vera never touched. Mm-hmm. And Una's like into it. Yeah. And it's interesting to observe and to, to support the kids in whatever things that they are, right. you know, And in a controlled environment, in. you're yeah. raising them the same way in the same place, totally. yet they are clearly choosing different, different people. Things. I mean, that's yeah. what yeah. we have to a degree also because we're two houses in proximity to each other, two kids each the same ages mm-hmm. and that we're raising the same way and just seeing how different they are and what they want to wear, yeah. the toys they want to play with. What they're interested like, in. Like they're so polar opposites in yeah. so many ways. Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah. The, the the nature nurture situation yes. is very mm-hmm. clear at times. Yeah. 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 And it helps us just understand and just be more just connected and open. Mm-hmm. And not feeling like we have to control it all the time because it's just it you already just exists. Can't. Yeah. Yeah. You couldn't even if you tried. So I mean you could to. try yeah. and then you'd be really miserable and stressed about out trying. all the time. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Well and what about temperament? How are how are your daughters different um, temperamentally from you? Um Besides aesthetically, fashionably. (laughs) Vera has been extremely emotionally volatile from a very, very early age. She was the baby that just screamed and screamed and screamed and would scream every time we tried to put her down for a nap. She quit napping at around just before three, I think, because Mm -hmm. it was just her screaming for an hour and a half and Mm -hmm. then... Me just like, if she eventually did fall asleep, me just feeling so ragged and horrible about the whole thing that I just gave it up and that worked out better. And Una will just like, you just lay her down. She just Mm -hmm. goes to sleep. She was a way easier baby Mm -hmm. and she's much more assertive. Well, 
Fear is assertive in sort of a I will scream if you don't do this mm-hmm. a way. way. A vocal way. A very vocal kind of whoa mm-hmm. way. But Una, like, if Vera gets in her space, Una will, like, bite her or just, mm-hmm. like, push her away where <laughs> Vera's the kid that, like, she'll just, if anyone, like, does anything to her, she's like, they did this to me. This is uh-huh. horrible. And if Una's getting crowded or Vera's doing something that she'll assert herself she'll, physically. Yeah, she'll assert yeah. herself physically and mm. she'll fight back rather than just crying. Mm. Yeah. So it's, interesting. It's and so Vera, the older one, who's five, she'll get like beat up by the little one that's not even two mm-hmm. because Una just like holds her ground and stands up mm-hmm. and doesn't like doesn't take any shit. Mm-hmm. Her doing <laughs> it's really pretty funny. But they're already their their sister relationship is has begun. It has. You know? And the little one, like Vera is always like Una never wants to hug me or snuggle me. <laughs> and she gets, like, really sad about that. Yeah. She'll be like, Una, will you give me a hug? And Una will be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, it's hard because the little one sort of holds a lot of the power. Mm-hmm. And that's really mm-hmm. hard for Vera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Vera is practicing being vulnerable. And, yeah. like, she's older, so she's... You would think that she would be, positions. like, setting yeah. the, yeah. you know, yeah. laying down the law. But in a lot of ways, the, the younger one is. And That's so interesting. It's very interesting to watch. And I have to... You know, sometimes Vera does things and gets in Una's personal space and, like, tries to push her buttons to see what Una will do. Mm-hmm. So that we'll get mad at Una for, like, <laughs> you know, biting or whatever it is. But... Vera is kind of instigating. So it's trying to find that balance of like, do I talk to Vera about not getting in Una's space? Because if she does, then Una will bite her. Or do I talk to Una about how it's not okay to bite? And it's mm-hmm. sort of trying to do both things yeah. in and a way wh- that isn't like b- picking on either one of them because yeah. they're both acting out and both kind of. They're both part of the equation. Yeah, they're both learning. Like yeah, so and much. they're testing mm-hmm. the waters. Well, and, and they're where seeing you're like, how much do I let them develop the relationship on their own, and then how how much do I intervene? Right. Which intervention is obviously necessary so they don't hurt each other. Exactly. But intervention also is putting your relationship in their relationship. Yes. And then they're like, that's why Vera maybe would like poke Una to yes. this and this, and you're to like, to see what you'll do. I'm not in this mm-hmm. scenario, but then you're like, but I actually have to be. Yeah. So it's just, I feel like it's such a delicate it is it's really hard to navigate yeah and it's it's interesting thinking about how talking to both of them about both things it can be so valuable Mm -hmm. like i hadn't really thought about it that way but like una can learn from what you say to vera because you've been building this context as it's true as as a general interaction Mm -hmm. and not just this thing that you did or this thing that you didn't do or whatever you know like just thinking about ways that we can like be speaking about the big picture like we talk about it as like sports mm-hmm. casting just like mm-hmm. here's what I saw that was going on right you know and just kind of leaving it open to them like what you, what was going on yeah and you, and you know what was going on most of the time you, but like yeah, yeah you know what was going on yeah. but working on that observation of the situation rather than placing blame on one or the other of them mm-hmm. I think I think I would benefit from figuring out how to do more of that because you don't want to be the parent that's always there's the tendency to blame the older child all the Mm -hmm, time mm -hmm. because they're kind of you know they have the smarts about them to like 
make something happen. But a lot of times it's I was the younger sibling and like I was always going and poking my brother and like harassing him to get a reaction out of him and then my parents would yell at him about it yeah. but really i was the one who was and like you never know like causing what actually problem. causes you don't like like you could have like he could have been a little grumpy yeah so that's why you poked him because exactly. you wanted to see so he essentially caused it his grumpiness but like yeah, how yeah, exactly. back, do you want to go back? who caused it right. exactly what does it even matter it's, what yeah. does it matter all, all we know is that like we don't want to be referees with our kids no, all the time because it's then in every situation they're going to be looking to us to be like who's what's the who's at fault hey, right? what's, um, the score? what's the score <laughs> like yeah you know? like i don't want that job but yeah. it's hard oh it's man not fun um, do you have siblings did you grow I, up with siblings i have an older brother and he okay. is three years older oh, than me right. yeah so, so you, not a you close... were the una yeah he yeah were the, yeah. <laughs> yeah except i would also just like cry about stuff all the time i think how would you say your upbringing is different than the way you're raising your daughter's I think for me, I think there are some similarities and then I am doing things pretty differently also. My parents were very young when they had my brother and I. My mom was 20 when she had my brother and 23 when she had me and my dad's a couple years older than her. Mm -hmm. And they were raised in Southern California by like very kind of traditional 50s, Mm -hmm. rigid, you know, families moms were staying at home dads worked all day um and so they did things really opposite of that where we were it was pretty free range and there weren't a whole lot of boundaries or responsibilities placed on my brother and I we could kind of do whatever and they they get they really trusted us which I think was really wonderful um but I do think that that trust sometimes made it so that I kind of had to create my own boundaries Mm -hmm. or rules. I was maybe looking to them to tell me what I could or couldn't do, and they didn't always tell me. Yeah, so there wasn't a whole lot of structure. And I think that in my adult life, that kind of has created created me to always be, like, making my own boundaries Mm -hmm. or, like, I was always a total like safety monitor Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. my mom was the person that would jump the fence and like Mm -hmm. take us in an area that like you weren't supposed to go Mm -hmm. the sign at the at the national park said don't go over (laughs) there and my mom was like oh whatever we don't have to listen to that so you were compensating i was compensating and that always gave me a lot of anxiety that she did that and it kind of still does like Mm. yeah she's always pushing the boundary Mm. and i wanted to know where it was and i I was a total rule follower and I got straight A's and I was the valedictorian in eighth grade. (laughs) And my parents, their response to that, I think I was looking for some sort of like, good job, Leela, we're so proud of you. But instead they were like, you know, they were proud of me, but they didn't put a lot of weight on those things. Mm -hmm. And they like... I remember them saying, you know, Lila, you don't have to do that. You don't have to get straight A's. You're stressing yourself out. That was their response. And that was hard for me. And they were also like, like, you created this. Yeah. And they (laughs) were very like, they threw big parties. They were very social. They had a very alive social life. And they were still young and they were living like they were. And they Mm -hmm. were musicians and they'd play shows on the weekends. And I always kind of wanted, like, that parent who was, like, there at every, like, Mm -hmm. you know, 
choir performance and like vol- the teacher and or like, the parent uh, teacher lights, volunteer and that stuff. And they were not in the house that. for everyone at 8 p.m. Yes. Yeah. But they didn't they didn't do that. And I had a very dear friend that lived down the road and I kind of got those experiences through her family. It's mm-hmm. like anytime they signed Lindsay up to play softball, they signed me up too. Mm-hmm. And her mom wow. forged my parents' signature <laughs> so that I could be on the team. And then they took me to all of the rehearsal or to the practices and to the mm-hmm. the games and everything because my family was like, ah, you know what? We don't want to do that you stuff. Don't you don't sports. need to do that. What's so interesting yeah. is like the best we, of both worlds. Yeah, but we can <laughs> we we can complain about this because Han and I had a, a similar upbringing too. But we were always portrayed by our friends as like having the cool parents and the I cool was fun too. house. And and so like. Having, we, we, like, we, we had insomnia in middle school because we were trying to get straight A's and we yeah. didn't even know that grades didn't count in middle school like no one told <laughs> no us one? but we were like stress cases yeah oh. and we'd be like banging on the wall I remember lying in bed banging on the wall like turn it down because they were like upstairs watching a movie and so we'd be funny. like we have to we're sleep. studying we're yeah. studying or whatever yeah like, sleeping yeah. we'd be like you know neurotic about get, getting to practice on time and you know they never they didn't but, come to as many games I've and stuff, always wondered same. what is that what if that is over Overcompensating or just personality difference. Yeah, like we have just so been this true. way anyway. I don't know. Yeah, I would don't know be, either. We were like the kids that were like scrambling to tidy up the house before friends came over, and oh, our mom would be totally. like, "Why are you cleaning up? They're your, they're your friends." And we're like, "Cause it makes us feel good." It, yeah, like, mm-hmm. I, I was know? always sort of doing that too, or like embarrassed to have friends over mm-hmm. because. You know, my parents were like smoking weed around the yeah. side of the house or something. Like dad would walk around in his pajamas, like bottoms <laughs> with like no underwear, you know, and stuff You're like that. Was like start like, playing oh, drums in the living room. Yeah. And over, hang out. This is yeah. hilarious. Yeah. Yes. That was kind of the vibe at my so, house. So you're not doing that right so now. So I'm not okay. doing that. Like, yeah. I mean, my parents are wonderful. And but that like kind of whatever goes like young partying and craziness like made me kind of go in the opposite direction which is interesting Mm -hmm. um but I'm not great at like the structure or the setting boundaries and stuff because I didn't have that and so you want it but you're I want it but I'm inexperienced at knowing I'm the mom who's always like do you want pan or Will you go upstairs and get dressed? Is that okay? Mm-hmm. Like asking them. Right. Or what get, do you want for what breakfast? What do you want for breakfast? Yeah, yeah. Instead of like saying, this is what is happening. Like, or this here's is two the options rule. that here, I know we yeah. have. And yeah. I'm work, I've worked a lot on trying to figure out how to just say what the plan is and to, like, Vera really likes to have a plan. She likes to know where we're doing that day. Yeah. But I'm not used to like, to structuring life like right. that or the whole idea of like my way or the highway or right. just being in charge like yeah I think when like coming from upbringings like we all had I think we tend to lean toward more permissive parenting because we just don't know how and in some ways I like I'm happy that it's a good thing that it's not in my instinct to say like no 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 all the time yeah. or you can only do this all the time yeah I think we're more predisposed to being like we're having to build that skill opinion? how are we going to cooperate but we still need structure with that. We still yes. need skills to be in charge, yeah. not be in control. And there's yeah. kind of different things. Totally. You know? So I interesting. And my husband came from more of a family. His mom stayed at home. His dad was a doctor, and like she's very much in charge. Nana lays down the law. You don't mm-hmm. get up from the table with a banana in your hand. Mm-hmm. Like you can't do mm-hmm. any of that stuff. And when the girls are at their house, they like follow Nana's plan, and. 
Nana's always kind of giving me advice about how to do more of that, but it doesn't come naturally for me, and it's yeah. not who I am. It's not comfortable. Yeah. It's not comfortable, and it, like, kind of freaks me out. And it works really well for her, but if yeah. I try to do that with the girls, they're like, what are you doing? They call your bluff. They're yeah. like, that's not you, Mom. That's not you, and it's not. Yeah. And I, I can see you know, some of the benefits of that type of parenting, that like very authoritarian way of doing Mm -hmm. things. And like, this is what the plan is. You nap at one o'clock and you Mm -hmm. do this and that. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm more like have a rough plan and a rough schedule, but it's not rigid. Like nothing Mm -hmm. is rigid. Oftentimes I don't know what I'm making for dinner. But I think a huge part of that (laughs) isn't just your upbringing, but it's the idea that like you are really conscious about your relationship with it, with your girls yes. and that sometimes those things can be really comforting to kids yeah. but in at certain points that inflexibility mm-hmm. can often hurt a relationship to what expense that is and, true. and can stress a relationship a lot not that just stress true. you out but stress out your time with them and, and that it, is true and it raises no. the question that we try to ask ourselves a lot which is even if something works is it really the best for everybody? Right. Because there are lots of techniques and methods and approaches yeah. that work very well, but like I we said, say, to what it, expense? Is it necessary? Like, yeah. We, we have to ask ourselves that a lot. Is it, Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Is it for me? Is it for them? What can we be doing that's for us? Or that's yeah. mutually yeah. beneficial? It's a win-win yeah. for everybody. Yeah. That, you know? I think the, the thing that my parents really got right is is that they always trusted us and that I always told them what I was up to and they Mm -hmm. would not judge me for it. Even like when I was in high school, I remember being at a friend's house and everyone got drunk and then my friend was making out with the guy I had a crush on and I was like really bummed out and sad and kind of drunk. And I called my dad and he came and picked me up and didn't judge me for that and I didn't get in trouble and yeah. it was okay. The next day, they ridiculed me for being hungover. Mm-hmm. And that was punishment enough. Like, it was humiliating. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but it but the was, relationship but was there. The it relationship was, was yeah. there, and my parents really loved me and accepted me. And I, for the most part, was making sound decisions mm-hmm. because I knew they trusted me, and I didn't mm-hmm. want to... Do anything that disappointed myself or that disappointed them. And I always, you know, wanted to make safe choices. And one night I stayed out all night with I had gone on a date and it was very innocent. I was like watched movies all night with this guy. Nothing else happened. It was very innocent. Watching movies all night. Uh Oh, my God. You know, just like staying awake, watching movies all night. And I was probably 17 and... I think I just like got carried away and just like didn't call my parents and they literally thought I had died. Oh my that God. was the only yeah. way, that was the only explanation for me not calling to check in yeah. was that I must have just died oh or been God. murdered or gotten in a car accident. Yeah. And because, because they was, trusted because there me. Was no there was no struggle. That, there was They had never dared you to do that. No. But that's what you I know? love is like just trying to think about how we, it's like the dream is to be the parents that our kids call. Yeah, when, when they're struggling yeah. or, or confide in when something's going wrong, exactly. like whatever the age, like how do we not fuck that up? Exactly, you know? because we love I them so much. And, yeah, but also like and like you talked about earlier, like how do we trust enough, but not so much that it becomes a burden, right? You know, it's like exactly. finding that fine line. Yeah, finding the balance yeah. in that place, and I think most people are on the other side of that. Yeah, trusting not enough. Yeah, you know exactly. I hope. 
I hope I can maintain that in my parenting. I think that was the thing that really worked well about my upbringing. And then there were other aspects that like put too much responsibility on me. Mm-hmm. And that kind of has left me with being a bit of a worry wart, mm-hmm. like a worrisome, anxiety ridden person. Mm-hmm. Which isn't we, great. Join the club. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're starting one. Yeah. This, these are the three founding members. Yes, so guys, perfect. Open application. <laughs> I think we're going to have a lot of members. Everyone yeah. listening. Yeah, yeah exactly. But. Oh, I think we wanted to just hear about like what music is like in your home with your kids. Like I, I saw you guys put oh. some records on when we visited once. Yeah. And we wanted to know about just how... And that Vera's singing songs, which is so cool. Yeah. But just how that kind of is integrated into your home. and Well, it has been interesting because from a very young age, Vera kind of equated music with being my thing. And it frustrated her because it would take attention away from her. And so anytime that I would sing, she would start, start basically yelling at mm-hmm. me and telling me, no singing, stop singing. And just yell really loud. And Mm -hmm. so then I didn't really feel comfortable playing music in my house. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I would mostly work on rehearsing and writing songs when she wasn't home. And it's still kind of like that. I mean, sometimes I play music around the house and other times I um, play You Are My Sunshine on the guitar or something. Mm -hmm. Um. And I sing the girls some songs, not every night, but I have a little collection of like little nursery songs my mom mm-hmm. used to sing to me when I was a little baby. And I sing those to the girls. But they don't really know all of my music. Mm-hmm. Um, when we got mi- when I got mixes back of my new record, we played that a fair amount just to make sure it sounded how I wanted to sound it and you know, making all those little changes mm-hmm. to the mixes. And Vera learned a couple of those songs, and she's, like, mm-hmm. saying the chorus of Ether and Wood a little mm-hmm. bit, and that was cute. But other than that, like, I haven't, I haven't really, like, dove into doing children's music with the girls, and I think I want to do that a bit more, especially, I feel like I've let it rest for a while, and now Vera's coming home from school, mm-hmm. and for the first time, <coughs> music is something that has become hers, mm-hmm. like, and she's sharing with me these songs that I don't know. And so I think because she's interested in it now in her own right, that has nothing to do with me, I feel like maybe now we could, you know, I play some, that. sing some songs together, yeah. or I could teach her some songs that I know. And she's got some ownership over yeah, it, too, co-ownership. It's, it's more yeah. hers, which is really cool. I love how perceptive you are about that, though. I think it could be so easy to be like, this is my thing. This is what I do. I get to to integrate this into right. my life. Not everybody can do that with their careers. Yeah. Um, or even their passions. Yeah. You know? And but that you, take can, that, personally. that you can see like how it affects her and that it's like yeah. it's part of your relationship. So you it need is. to be kind of conscious of it. Definitely. Yeah. And we do. She loves listening to music at home and we listen to records and you know, Spotify and whatever. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I she's think... she's pretty into it. And then Una, like, really likes dancing around. And mm-hmm. I don't know. But I, I think I would love an excuse to learn a bunch of kids' songs. I think that would be fun. We don't know very many kids' we songs don't. either. Maybe yeah. More in Spanish than English. Oh, yeah. cool. But I read somewhere recently that, like, 
statistics are saying that people aren't singing lullabies at night as often really? as they used to. Like it's yeah. like a dying art. And I was so surprised no. by that. Well, yeah. And the article was talking about like the benefits of it, you know, in a more kind of, yeah. you know, fancy way of like kids need the rhyming and the repetition yeah. and the, the rhythm of those things to build vocabulary and to oh, like be learning words. But I mean, for us, it's like, it's just the connection to mm-hmm. that element of just sharing your voice with somebody and yeah I feel like some of my earliest memories are of dad singing mm-hmm. lullabies in French to yeah. us oh, that's that cozy feeling in. yeah, yeah. yeah he mostly did the tucking in um that's but I feel really like sweet. our mom was the singer yeah she's she's a like an artist but she has a beautiful voice and I feel like I can't remember what made me remember recently I don't know maybe it was Roy singing around me I've felt like I need to be really um, play it really cool when she's singing and not be like like I'm watching or like I'm giving feedback right. or, or like judging look, look in any way just sort of it's her thing this is a private I happen to be hearing it but this is her experience right now because I feel like she's not singing for I, you I don't remember what happened when I was younger singing but I do remember wanting to be alone and only mm. singing when mom was vacuuming because I felt she, like you didn't want the attention. I didn't want her the attention, and yeah. I don't think it was anything she necessarily did. Yeah, but it just it felt really strange to me to have people staring at me when I'm, like, <laughs> I'm just singing. That doesn't mean you should do anything or say anything. Yeah. comments are not welcome. Yeah. yeah, but that's the 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 way singing is is seen, and yeah. that it's performative. That it's yeah. performative, and it doesn't right. always have to be. No. Yeah. That's well, that's true. taught the the performative mm-hmm. nature in some ways. Yeah, but the singing is like that. Talk about nature and nurture. The singing is nature, and the performative maybe is more nurture. But yeah, you learn that. Oh, I can oh, share this, this with people. And there's this thing in audience. Yeah, yeah, that, right. that react. And yeah, let me know what have they, they think. Have they seen you perform many times? Um, Vera, when she was a baby, came on tour with me, and that was pretty difficult and terrible. Um, <laughs> and then in the past year, I've just toured without the girls. But I did do a hometown show um, down in Nevada City, and it was early enough where we were like, let's bring Vera. And it was really special having her be at the show, and she really enjoyed it. And the last song, she totally came on stage. She was wearing (gasps) butterfly wings and, like, loved the (laughs) attention of it. Yeah, Yeah. basically. (laughs) And then afterwards, she sat and at the merch table with me and she like was asking to sign autographs and it was hilarious so she kind of like liked the attention piece of like seeing like whoa this is interesting everyone's a a glimpse behind the everyone's Mm -hmm. yeah staring at my mom i could Mm -hmm. go up there Mm -hmm. so i mean i'm glad she didn't come on stage yelling stop singing yeah me too for sure (laughs) jeez absolutely um something we talk a lot about is parenting being this you know magical opportunity to just elevate our consciousness a little bit about not our kids or the world even but just about ourselves and what parenting does to us and I think oftentimes it's really easy to focus on the harder parts of ourselves that it brings out Mm -hmm. Um, but we're curious Maybe about both, about yeah. something parenting has brought out in you that you're proud of or like revealed. that you're revealed that you're proud of or grateful for. And then maybe something that, you know, because we talk about, sh- you know, showing up and growing up. Mm-hmm. So also something maybe that you're working on of, you know, yeah. that hasn't been the best thing about yourself that you would want to do. I think 
on the more positive side of things, motherhood has, it's made me feel more grounded in myself and there's just not really any room in my life for bullshit or what doesn't matter or superficial thoughts or behaviors. And yeah, I just feel pretty okay in my skin. And and I haven't really struggled with that that much prior to children, but now that I have kids, it really just cuts the BS. Like there's no I don't have time to worry about pants not fitting properly or mm-hmm. like my self-image like or getting wrinkles or gray hair. Mm-hmm. Or like I just I don't have time to care. And that's really liberating. Mm-hmm. And I think the changes that you go through physically with pregnancy and like getting huge and then getting small and then having everything be weird and different and like just that metamorphosis that takes place through pregnancy um, and then afterwards for me that it just left me feeling just grateful for like a body that like functions and like yeah you know (laughs) but I think a lot of people could have do have that same experience Mm -hmm. and that can be make them even more insecure and I think I love that you chose acceptance yeah I I did and I I know that that's not always the case but I I think it's I mean, maybe it's not a choice, but I think for me, it it was just like choosing. Well, the and more you survived. Positive. Yes, you know, I a think really scary childbirth. Yeah, I think for me, it it's motherhood, but it was also that like very close close to death experience I had with both girls, but particularly yeah. with Una's birth. Um, I yeah, I I really almost didn't make it, and that has left me with a a very new like acceptance and gratefulness for the life that I have a perspective like yeah. how can I complain about or fixate on this one thing when, exactly yeah. I am here I'm alive and I get to be a mother to my kids and yeah. that is a wonderful thing it's a gift <laughs> it is it really is yeah what is one question that you feel like we could all ask ourselves a little more often um is this decision fear based? Like kind of for me at least like checking myself when I'm when I'm saying no to something because it freaks me out and I'm yeah, being a person that worries a lot, I feel like it's good to take note of that and then maybe make a different decision. <laughs> Um, and the last question is, how can we become the butterfly as mothers? I think we already touched on this a little bit, but just trying to embrace and celebrate the changes in our lives and in our bodies and in our spirits that happen in becoming a mother instead of resenting those changes and, you know, looking backwards as far as like what what has been lost because there's certainly a lot that is lost in becoming a mother as far as our freedoms and, you know, abilities to do whatever we want to do whenever we want to do. Just trying to embrace the changes in the best possible way and actually have that enable us to 
become more and become better than we were before or become more full, I guess. Love that. <laughs> Thanks so much Thank for having you. me. This is so fun. Welcome to the after show where we reflect and ruminate on a few favorite moments from our conversation and let you know how to learn more about our guest. That was fun. That was fun. Yeah. That was a really good time. And it was nice having someone in person. It was our first in-person interview, mm-hmm. which kind of made a difference. Totally. They could see all, like she could see all our active nodding that <laughs> other people can't see. I I really enjoyed myself. Um, what was a highlight for you, Cal? Mm-hmm. I really liked it when she said that ever since becoming a mom, she could feel her creativity waiting for her, like waiting in the wings of herself. Mm-hmm. And that just gave me goosebumps. Yeah, me too. I think that it's so easy when you become a parent to feel like you've lost a part of yourself. Mm-hmm. And a friend recently said that she was feeling depressed looking at a younger photo of herself, um, that she had all these like hopes and dreams and she's looking back on that picture with sadness because she feels like she'll never kind of attain those things. Mm. And I think that's why that quote that Alila said resonated with me so much because she sort of like personified our creativity as like this thing, you know, like a favorite part of yourself or something that's just being dormant now, like waiting in the wings for the right time to come out. It exists. It's around every corner. Yeah, It's, It's accessible, you know. And I I think it's also so easy for our creativity or our hopes or dreams to feel suppressed or stifled or lost. Or gone. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that if we can just reframe that a little bit to feel like we're still carrying it around with us and we have the faith that whether it's about writing a song or having a career or taking a trip, whatever it is, that it will happen and it can happen when we, you know, and our circumstances are are lined up. Yeah, I like just picturing it there waiting in the wings. Mm-hmm. You know, something you carry with you. I like that too. What um what about you? I remember you kind of like nodding uncontrollably at a part of our talk around control. That's like oh, one of your favorite topics. I love talking about control. <laughs> well, I loved it when she said ultimately we don't have control over who our children become or what they oh, believe. Yeah. And I just, I love that she brought that up because it just, it shows she's got this respect for not trying to control what she can't and shouldn't. And it was just interesting hearing about her mother and her, you know, Mm -hmm. that was never easy. Um, That's one of the songs um, on her cusp album and it never easy in large part because they just had different opinions, you know? Yeah. I think we talk so much about how our children have the right to disagree with us. I think that's like such a huge one that most people are like, what? My kid's not allowed to disagree with me. Mm-hmm. And I think when we sort of realized that and explored that, it was like such a huge game changer mm-hmm. that it doesn't mean that you have to, you know, bend all your boundaries or say yes, yes, yes to everything mm-hmm. that you can disagree and, you know. That's okay. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. I think everyone, or oftentimes I hear people talk about how the, kind of ultimate ideal for a family or for the world for that matter is to all get along Mm -hmm. and I think there's this misconception that all getting along means that we should all agree totally and that is absolutely not what all getting along one means I think what it actually means is that we can coexist 
despite our different points of views and because of our different points of views and walks of life and and relationships um yeah that, i think that <clears throat> that is the miracle of getting along mm-hmm. is honoring and celebrating that individuality and mm-hmm. you know celebrating it not just tolerating it yeah. you know do we have some examples of like how we respect our kids right to disagree maybe people are being like what do you mean <laughs> um I don't know. I mean, if they say that from something very simple at an early age to being like this red pen and they're like, that's not red, that's blue. Mm-hmm. And us being able to say, well, that's your truth. Okay. You think that's you blue. You think that's blue. Yeah. I think it's red and not um, allowing that or letting that put distance in between our relationship or our connection, but just saying, I'm observing you and, and honoring and holding space for your experience around this blue pen. And so that you can space around this red pen and see that when we have differences in opinion it doesn't have to yeah but I think that that kind of coincides or people have trouble with that because it is a fucking red pen Mm -hmm. so they're like that's just wrong (laughs) and it's a good exercise I have to tell them I have to teach them what if if they don't know their colors p.s. a lot of people don't know their colors including my husband who's Uh colorblind and he's totally has a medical condition Yeah. yeah but and I think it's also easier when they're that little and you're like, oh my God, that's so cute. They think blue is red and red is boo. And mm-hmm. like, that's adorable. And it's really different when they get older and they really disagree. Like, okay. no, we're not going to school. Yeah. Or, or this, I don't want disgusting. this. Or, yeah, I will not eat that. Or, you know, I don't want to get dressed. Or, yeah. you know. Well, and to separate that from following through lovingly as a parent which we have to do and separating what we have to do with our actions from what like how we each do of it. us believes and yeah. how we do it and that we can still have different opinions and honor their feelings and thoughts around something without um you know necessarily like letting them override everything or yeah. <clears throat> become permissive yeah. or, and i think we had said like we like that idea of celebrating those differences in opinion instead of just mm-hmm. tolerating them. But it really is a lesson in tolerance, mm. I think. Um, and that's really important to, to learn to, to have tolerance for people's differences. And, and then you can move to celebrate them from there or something. I don't know. But I, I think that in some ways we do have control over who our children become and what they believe. And the only control we have is to allow them to get connected to their own becoming and belief system as soon mm-hmm. as possible. And it, when we over control, I think that that pulls them away from their own connection to themselves and their beliefs. Mm-hmm. And it pulls them away thinking, oh, maybe I should believe what mom believes. Maybe I should believe what this random person on the TV believes. And I think that the idea behind honoring, uh, letting them disagree with us, the root of that is so that they can start getting connected to themselves in a really big way. Mm-hmm. So we shared this quote on Instagram, but when she said, I'm here, I'm alive, and I get to be a mother to my kids, I was like, <laughs> oh my God, holy gratitude and perspective. Yeah, it's you know. like I could be gone. My child could be gone. <clears throat> it's it, crazy. Yeah. It puts it in perspective a little bit. And this is something I think we connect about in our interviews as well as how can we keep hold of this magical lens of gratitude that sometimes 
we can only have when we've lost someone or come close to losing someone mm-hmm. or even just seeing someone else lose someone. Yeah. And it, I feel like that's something we talk about all the time is mm-hmm. how can we stay out of the matrix? Like mm-hmm. how can we not get sucked into this trivial shit all the times, like the frustrations and yeah. the petty silliness and just hold that big picture bird's eye perspective of like, I'm alive and I get to be a mother to my kids. Yeah. Like, that's it. That's everything. That's what we try to hold on to when um, we feel ourselves getting worked up. And um, mm, the chosen a, and lucky thing. Yeah. <clears throat> it's a phrase that we try to use to feel and remember that no matter what is happening and because of what is happening, we are chosen and we are lucky. Uh, we've been chosen to parent this child and support them and guide them and that we are lucky for it and they are lucky for it and they have been chosen to be with us and having that that reminder really helps drag us out of the minutiae and back into a healthier perspective Mm -hmm. of gratitude and trust yeah i think it's not something that we need to have had like a near-death experience to try and channel though i Mm -hmm. think it's something like alila said it's about being present in the moment just soaking it all up and not letting Uh, the agenda of a parent sort of like drive our experience on the planet you know like but I think that you and I want to add something to what she said also because what we really believe is that it's not just about mindfully paying attention and enjoying those good moments in order to be like kind of buoyed through the harder ones Mm -hmm. but I guess I just want to say that we want to keep practicing that same skill in the hard times you know to not think of them as blips between the good, happy, comfortable moments necessarily, but as equally important to embrace and lean into, right? Right. Like as in, yeah. I'm here, I'm alive, I get to be a mother to my mm-hmm. kids while they're dismantling my house and <laughs> melting down in the middle of the road and refusing to go to sleep. Yes, exactly. Something Chosen like and lucky, port in the storm, baby. Yeah. So we asked each of our guests about a question we should all ask ourselves more often and Alila's was so good. Yeah. Her question, I think it was, is this decision fear-based? And I I mean, I think most of our decisions are fear-based because that's how we protect ourselves and make good decisions for ourselves and our families. But I think where she was going with that was, am I being brave? Are my decisions able to be made from another place, from a place of trust or a place of hope or um, something that can serve my kids or myself better. Yeah. Or she's, she was saying like, am I saying no to this thing because I'm scared of it? Mm-hmm. And then that lead, then leads you to say, why am I scared of it? Mm-hmm. And maybe you make a different decision. That's kind of what she was saying. Yeah. I feel like if we're lucky, we can have that self-awareness and that bravery to question ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that's such a big ask. You know, we're thrown into this parenting adventure, needing to keep our heads above water and be in charge and raise little humans responsibly, which makes it really fucking difficult to pause all the time and be like, am I just scared? Why am I feeling this way? Why am I doing this? Yeah, I think that that's a superpower. I feel like all Mm -hmm. the hardest skills we work on in parenting are superpowers, Mm -hmm. actually. Like, And every superpower is born from something super hard. Mm -hmm. And these traits or virtues that we aspire to, like, when do you need them? When do you need courage? When do you need patience? When do you need resilience? When do you need that that introspection most? Hard, I love that. Hard equals power. Yeah. yeah. I think you it's need in them in the toughest moments. You need them in the toughest times, yeah. right? And they're not just like traits that you have or don't have. I think everyone's like, oh, you're a resilient person. You're a patient person. Mm-hmm. No, it's these are, are skills 
not just virtues, they're skills that are practiced daily and in the most difficult ways and the most difficult times. Yeah. And I love that she brought up this big one, you know, holding your fear in your hand and examining it so that it's not driving you. Yeah, it's amazing. And at the end of the interview, I think it was so sweet, the butterfly part. Yeah, like how can we become the butterfly as mothers? And I love what she said about just trying to embrace and celebrate those changes in our bodies and minds and all those things instead of resenting them and looking backwards because I think that's so easy for us to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like the imagery because like the idea of us as butterflies sort of like embodying this change and, and the beauty is in the change, you know? Well, and then <clears throat> as butterflies too, that idea that it's a natural transformation, mm-hmm. that it was meant to happen mm-hmm. by nature. And it's not this thing that has like happened to us negatively like that we have to somehow, yeah, that we have to somehow survive through. Like, no, it is a, and I'm totally, it's a chrysalis. I'm trying to remember my all the butterfly terminology we learned in like <laughs> second grade, but but that there's that this natural trust that this is what happens and that's, that it becomes something more beautiful mm-hmm. um, than before. Yeah, I think, but that optimism and that trust to grow and change and be looking forward all the time, like that's tough. Why mm-hmm. do we have such an aversion to growing and moving forward? You know, it's scary. Yeah, yeah. it's unknown. It's uncertain, you know. I think they're called growing pains for a reason, you know. Growing is letting go, evolving, moving into the unknown, like so many terrifying things. And it's a time of of mourning for what was, for who we were then, you know. God, this is something I'm constantly having to work on. You definitely are. I feel like you're still mad at mom and dad that they sold our house. Oh my God, yeah. Our childhood house, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You missed the 90s like nobody I know. It's true, Yeah. yeah. But... I think I used to be more nostalgic. I used to be a drag me kicking, screaming into the next phase kind of person. And I think that parenting has really helped me look forward more than backwards and hold gratitude for that as is at the same time, like whether Mm -hmm. it's stretch marks or gray hairs or crumbling friendships or that stack of books on my bedside that I may never get to. Yeah. But just accepting that and seeing the beauty in it. And I think we've been training in the business of silver linings big time yeah. since we became parents. You, know, you always say that we can make a silver lining out of anything. And I really do see that as a muscle that we work on, you know, that we build um, to help us embrace the becoming. and Yeah, you know, the, the butterfly in all of us. Yeah. Okay. That was fun. That was fun. Yeah. yeah. How can people find Alila? Um, you can go to her website at aliladiane.com um, where you can shop for her records and CDs. You can check out her tour dates. You can read more about her story and her experience writing mm-hmm, Cusp mm-hmm. and get her amazing perspective as a woman and mother making music. Um, her Instagram is at aliladiane, which is, it's a beautiful account. Um, and you can follow along on her amazing tour schedule and just all those beautiful moments in her life with her daughters. Yeah. As always, we would love to hear your thoughts on the conversation with Alila. So please DM, call, email, contact us through our website, www.upbringing.co. And lastly, you are doing an amazing job. We're so proud of you. Mm -hmm. If you are here, you're taking steps to better understand yourself, your child, and your world. So thank you. We're all growing up together. Till next time. From the belly 
of the abyss unfurling like a cat stretching pine yawning stumbling into the sun it's never been easy for you and I you loved me I didn't know until I had my own little daughter oh my mama I understand now that you've always loved me the upbringing. Subscribe, rate, review, and share our podcast with your besties. We care about what you think and how you're doing, so get in touch with your feedback. Visit upbringing.co to learn more about us and sign up for our newsletter. Follow our daily shenanigans on Instagram at up underscore bringing and watch our dear upbringing happy hour convos on IGTV or YouTube. It means so much that you're here. We're all growing up together.